Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. It's Friday, November 11th, 2022. It is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter. On the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network, I am Mike Heck. What a day it is. It is Friday. We are on the eve of UFC 281 going down tomorrow night at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. We just wrapped up the UFC 281 weigh-ins about a half an hour ago. We did have a couple of hiccups on the scale. Ryan Spann, missing weight, 206.6. Mike Trezano misses weight, 147.6 for their respective bouts. Ryan Spann, of course, biggest fight of his career against Dominic Reyes. Man, that's a tough weight miss. And then Mike Trezano fighting Sung Woo Choi. Both fighters forfeiting 20% of their purse. But the fights will go on. It got a little hairy for one half of the main event, Alex Pereira. But at the end of it all... He made weight, got it done, 184.6. The main event is a go. Middleweight title fight is a go. Co-main event, Carlos Spars and Zhang Wei Li is a go. Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler is a go. We're a go all the way around. And I'm excited for this card, and we're here to talk about it with all of you guys. So let's react to the weigh-ins. It is also free-for-all Friday, so the floor is open to whatever the hell you want to talk about. We're going to try to get to as many as we can. So let's keep that in mind. And we're going to go until I get the phone call that my dog is ready to be picked up from his grooming appointment. Tristan Gordet, kick us off. Hey, Mike. Um, I didn't get to see the wins or anything like that. I was curious about Montel Jackson, how he looked on the scale. Um, here's the thing about it. I know you're very high on him and you like him a lot. He comes out here. Now, I know he doesn't fight as frequently. I think it's mostly due to injury. He gets injured a lot. But if he's if he could have a very spectacular performance here on the prelims against Julio Arce, and I mean he finishes him or just something spectacular, I'm not asking you to reveal your Otno pick on who you would match him up. But are we do we look at him like okay, I want to see him against I don't know um, a, a Kyla Phillips type of fighter or um, you know. Another another upper echelon, not in the, obviously in the top fifteen, but maybe close to it. So, you know, that's the only question I have today. I just want to know um, your thoughts about that. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah, he he was one of the first 
five fighters up on the scale. He did use the box, but a lot of the fighters early use the box because they use the the, the digital scale today. So just want to make sure you have all the T's crossed and the I's dotted. Uh, yeah, he was like fourth or fifth to the scale and made weight fine. It looked, looked good. It's tough, man. I mean, the thing about him is just he's just so inactive. That's the biggest problem. Fought twice in 2018, once in 2019. He did fight twice in 2020, twice in 2021, but he hasn't fought in over a year. So he's just, I just like to see him more active. That's all. Love to see a year where he fights three times. Obviously, this will not be the year. This will be his only fight of 2022 unless he gets a quick finish and turns around fast. But guy took a fight with Ricky Simone on super short notice, lost a decision. Submits Brian Kelleher, beats Andre Sukumta, beat the hell out of Felipe Calharis, who just took a beating that entire fight, and it didn't get finished. Got a fight with Brett Johns, lost that one. I think he was a little outclassed, might have been a little too soon, but then came back with an easy knockout, and then he knocked down J.P. Bays like a thousand times in his most recent appearance. So the guy is super talented. Still a little rough around the edge, a little green. I mean, this is going to be his 14th pro fight and he was active early on in his career 2017 to 2018 before he got to the UFC he had six fights so 2018 he fought one two three four five six times twice in the UFC so I was mistaken about that but since then once in 2019 once in 2020 he used to be a very active guy even as an amateur super active guy he was fighting four or five times a year so I just need to see more from him. that's all so it's tough to like put him in a top 15 kind of a spot. I don't know. Maybe like a... I'd go like a Cody Stamen's probably like as high as I'd go, but Stamen's like a name, probably a top 23-ish guy. That Something like that would make sense. Maybe Casey Kenny. There's, there's, there's interesting fights for him, but... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how he does. And it was nice to see Julio Arce get in there and make the weight as well. And he was very happy about that. Max, hello. Hello, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. How are oh, you? I'm doing quite well this morning. Great to be here on a free for all Friday. How you doing? You got your Duncan? I I drank my Duncan. Crushed it earlier. <laughs> my man. That's lovely to hear. Um, so I hate to be this guy on a free for all Friday, but since it is a free for all Friday, I figured I'd. Throughout this question, uh, I'll try and do this as delicately as possible. And if you just can't answer it, that's cool. But uh, I figured I'd ask it because I saw this on Twitter the other day and I was a bit uh, troubled. So um, I don't know. Someone had posted a thread basically saying something to the effect that, oh, like shame if you go to glory and then say you happen to be, you know, with, you know, with the, the trainer there, essentially. And then Megan Anderson had replied, oh, just ask Laura Sanko about that now. I was like, whoa, that is deeply troubling for a number of reasons. I mean, she's happily married, all these other things, whatever. But, um, you know, then also there's this issue with the Derek Minner fight the other weekend. So, I mean, I really, it's not my place to be throwing stones. So everyone has a business, a life to run. But uh, what are kind of your maybe broader thoughts on this camp I'm referring to here, Glory, and uh, maybe the head trainer there and what, what you may or may not have heard. And uh, if you can't comment on it, 100% respect that. But, uh, pardon me, but I figured I'd ask it on a free-for-all Friday. Uh yeah, very concerning stuff. But yeah, thank you for your time. I kind of feel like I hit asking such a damning question here. But yeah, <laughs> cheers, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, Max. So 
It's not that I wouldn't comment on it, but it's just I don't know anything about it. We've heard just that side of the story. Uh, Jeff Molina had come out a couple hours later and put out like his own post about it, basically calling Megan a liar and putting her to task on what he saw from her in that camp. So, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea what goes on behind closed doors. I mean, do I, do I, am I aware that things could happen in gyms? Sure. I mean, we see fighters dating coaches all the time. Uh, I don't think, I don't know if that's the case here. I have no, like I said, I have no app. I have no idea at all. Uh, I know that Laura Sanko and Megan Anderson used to be very close. They used to host a podcast together. Uh, they are not close anymore and they haven't been close in a while. So who knows what that's all about? I mean, I honestly have no idea. As far as the Derek Minner thing goes, again, that's another thing. It's very shysty. Like that line movement, something happened. Something happened. Some insider knowledge definitely happened. Do I think it came from James Krause? No. I mean, if it did, he is. I've, I've talked to James a million times. It's always been very good to me. Uh, one of the sharp minds in the sport. He would be an idiot <laughs> if he put out this information. Like, he would just be an idiot. I mean, that's just, that's just bad, bad. So, again, they're investigating. We'll see what happens. I, do I think there is some insider trading, if you will, when it came to that line movement? 100%. Do I know who it came from? Absolutely not. Do, we, do I think we'll ever know who it came from? Maybe. But if it's Kraus, I will be stunned because that is just – I mean, that's literally like going in trying to rob a bank without a mask on. Like, you're the first guy that's going to get pointed to in this whole entire scenario. So – but we'll see. I can't. I mean, I just don't know anything about the other stuff. But I feel pretty strongly that there's some insider tomfoolery going on with that Derek Minner line. I just don't know where it came from. No clue. Let's go to Sam. What's up, Sam? Hey, what's going on, Mike? Um, I wonder if we are a little too committed to this idea that there's no way that Poirier Chandler could possibly go the distance because I seem to remember a, a, an MSG card last year where we kind of convinced ourselves beyond convincing about this very same Michael Chandler and another veteran action fighter, you know, shit-eating wild man like, uh, like Justin Gaethje. Uh, we, I, I was telling myself, oh my gosh, there's no way. 15 minutes is a long time for these guys. It might not even get out of the first round. Then what do you know? It goes to the cards. And also looking at it from the perspective of betting value, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that I think it's going to go the distance. It would seem to be that, yeah, if this is a get or get got fight if there ever was one. But I don't know. I feel like we just before him, sometimes we kind of over convince ourselves um, a bit prematurely. Um, and then my wild card question for today is uh, handicap uh, the free agency of Xanda Bogats for me. Um, and if, in fact, he uh, he does leave uh, Boston, what do the Red Sox uh, do to replace him? I mean, they have a bunch of shortstops in the farm systems that they're developing. So I don't know what they're going to do. It seems like I have a grasp on what the Sox are going to do under this new regime. And 
they always like to fool me. They, they've become more New England Patriots than Boston Red Sox in a lot of respects. But I, I'd be – listen, if they, if they sign Bo, re-sign Bogarts, cool. Like, I, I like the guy. He's a good player. I just feel like his best days are probably behind him. And with Devers needing to be paid, there's other names out there. Like, I don't know if they're going to take a shot at Aaron Judge or not. I think they probably should. But if you're going to take a shot at a guy like Judge or another hyper-free agent, you have to say no to somebody. And it's probably Bogarts who gets the no. I'd take You're going to focus on Devers and getting him locked up long-term. And it's going to cost you to do it. So they got enough at shortstop. They got Trevor Story and guys like that. Like I think they'll be okay in terms of infield. Will they replace his offense? I don't know. But typically, I mean, remember when I remember when Nomar Garcia Pyro left and all the, the changes they made, and it all, it all worked out for them. Um, as far as Chandler Poirier, it could go to the decision. I mean, look, Chandler's talked all week about possibly wrestling in this fight, and that's cl- a clear advantage he has. This fight could go the distance. It's three rounds. I don't know if it will. I actually feel, I feel like this gets out. I don't, I don't feel like this sees the third, but it wouldn't stun me if it went to a decision. Looking at it from a betting perspective, though, every bit of value, at least in my stomach, tells me Michael Chandler's the pick. Will it be like my official pick for the fight? Not sure. But if I'm betting, if someone's like, Mike, you have to bet on this fight, you give me Michael Chandler at plus 185 in a fight that I think is closer to 50 50. You're getting so much value on Michael Chandler. It's not even funny. So there's, I think there's a ton of betting value on Chandler. But it's a good fight. And we talked about this on the, on the weigh-in show earlier. From a action, holy crap, I can't wait to watch it perspective, this fight's awesome. It's a great fight. It's going to be super fun. It's going to be a slobber knocker. It's what we expect, no matter how long it lasts. But for the division as a whole and trying to move this forward and get the best fighters fighting the best fighters in this division, this fight stinks for that because it just doesn't do much. Like it's just the same guy. We're just rotating the same dudes in. And this division is so many up and covers the Fazeves, the Sarukians, the Ismagulovs, the Jalen Turters, the, you know, Claudio Poyas could be another guy, the Grant Dawson's like these guys are coming. And it's going to take them forever to get to where they need to go because we're seeing fights like this. Which, by the way, short term, this fight's going to be awesome. It's probably going to be the best fight on the card tomorrow. Like, the expectations are high, and they should be. It's just an action-packed fight. But the fact that there's so much riding on it from a stakes perspective for these two guys, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. When you have all these other guys. Like, I'd love to see Fazeev get a shot at a Chandler or a Poirier. Or Sarukian get a shot at one of these guys. Or Jalen Turner get a shot at one of these guys. But they're not going to. And that's like my issue with booking a fight like this. Not from a, this fight's not a good fight perspective. Because the fight's awesome. But what are, what are we doing here? Like, we're not moving this division forward at all. And if Michael Chandler goes out there and beats Dustin Poirier, if they don't book this, if they don't book this Volkanovsky fight... And Chandler just goes out there and bolts Dustin. It would not stun me at all if they would just push Chandler into a title fight with Makachev and poor Benil Darius should be sitting on the sidelines. Makes no sense from a meritocracy perspective, but they like Chandler. And Chandler likes them, and he promotes for them, and he's a draw for them. 
But I just wish – I'm happy the fight's happening. While well, watch it, it's going to be great. But I think in the long-term aftermath, especially if Poirier wins, we're just going to be like, all right, that was a cool fight. Now what? What are we going to do with this? So we'll see. Let's go to Henderson. I'm good. And ahead, I see you waving. You usually wait in line, son. <laughs> Go ahead, Anderson. Hey, so um, one of the things I love about your show is that, especially because it's on the internet, people call in from all over the world and talk about MMA scenes all over the world. And that's one thing that's unique about your show and also just so cool because that's the stuff you never hear about, right? So uh, this this weekend, the the MMA eyes are on where I'm from, which is North Jersey. And we got our, our champion, our hero, Frankie Edgar trying to do it one last time. And and we also have Chris Gutierrez, his opponent trains in Jersey city too. So for anyone that knows MMA and, and New Jersey, like especially in North Jersey, it's been so big here forever uh, since the beginning. And a lot of that was because of like Frankie Edgar and Jim Miller. And I guess the UFC is trying to find that next generation. So they also got Aaron Blanchfield on this card. And I just wanted to say like a lot of people around the world probably don't understand like North Jersey and Frankie Edgar. And like, he was just like the every, like the normal dude wrestler, high school guy. And then, Oh man, he's beating these huge champions. He's beating Graham Vaynerd. Like I still, ever since I was started watching MMA, just always watching that second and third Graham Maynard fight. Like, Anytime I need just to remember like, oh my God, this sport is just incredible. So those of you who haven't watched those fights or haven't watched his fights with like Aldo, he had so many great fights over the years. Make sure to check that out. And also I hope he goes out, does what he does, does some wrestling and makes it to a decision. Because I think if you can, if he can force it to be a wrestling game, he can still hang. And if he can make it to a decision, that means no more damage for Frankie Edgar. Cause I want to see him have a long career after fighting. And I also think Aaron Blanchfield's going to just get it done. Uh, probably the biggest fight of her career too. So hopefully we'll see all that happen. And uh, it, it would be weird to see a fellow New Jerseyan take out Frankie. So I think that wouldn't, that wouldn't be good for anyone. All right. Uh, that's it. Have a great show, and uh, thanks again for taking the call. Uh, thanks, man. So we talked about this on the weigh-in show because uh, it says Chris Gutierrez fights out of Jersey City, and maybe he does. Like maybe he lives there or something. Like I like I like I told AK in Casey, I've interviewed Chris Gutierrez probably forty times, and he's never once mentioned Jersey to me ever. It's it's weird because like because his main training camp is in Colorado. He trains at Factory X. Mark Montoya is his head coach. So like anything that I've known from him over the last four years or so, when we talk or he does interviews, it's about Colorado. It's about training at Factory X with Mark and, and things like that. So maybe I'm missing something. Uh, I mean, maybe that's just where he has like residence for tax purposes or something. But I know he spends the majority of his time in Colorado. Mostly in Denver. I don't know. I honestly have no idea. That's something I'll have to ask him down the down the line because I didn't think we'd even this would even be a thing. But 
Um, I don't look at it as like a Jersey versus Jersey thing, and maybe I'm wrong, but like Chris is a guy who, I mean, most of his life was in Texas. Uh, he was born in Boston. So maybe, I don't know, maybe he's just there now and just has a place there. I don't know. So I have no idea how that goes. But listen, I don't love the matchmaking here. And it's not because it's no, for like no particular reason, reason stylistically. I just, I don't know. I just don't know what a win for over Frankie Edgar does for Chris Gutierrez. Like it gives him a ranking, but I don't know if this will be like a star making type of a fight for him, which is why I don't necessarily love the matchmaking in a lot of ways, but it is what it is. We're here. And this is a winnable fight for Frankie. It is a winnable fight. If he can wrestle and get takedowns, he will, he can win. He can absolutely win. How I see this fight playing out is Frankie will win the first round. Edgar will probably take him down and win the round, beat him up a little bit. Might get a takedown in the second. I think Gutierrez will get back up. And then eventually he's just going to start kicking him in the legs. He's just going to keep kicking him in the legs. And I think he's just going to keep battering him for the rest of the fight. And who knows? Maybe Frankie can survive it and steal a decision or something like that. But I don't know. I just, I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea. And that's why, I don't know. I just don't love the matchmaking. It's just kind of a weird fight. But at the same token, it is a fight that Frankie can win, even as a near two to one underdog. We'll see what happens. And then Aaron Blanchfield versus Molly McCann. I talked about this before. I think this is when we talk about matchmaking with the Edgar Gutierrez fight, this is the complete opposite. I think this is a plus matchmaking because one of two things is going to happen. Aaron Blanchfield is going to have a, a big time performance against someone with a lot of momentum that fans are behind, that everybody knows. And she gets to do it at Madison Square Garden close to home. Like, that's a very big deal. And that would be huge for her. And she's the biggest favorite on the card. So she is expected to go in there and deliver that kind of a, of a performance. But if Molly McCann wins this fight, you got something big here. You got something big. Because she pulls off the major upset, 3-0, and if she gets a a finish, three and zero with three finishes, and we talked about this earlier this week. I don't think they would give her an immediate title shot if she wins this fight, but it wouldn't shock me if they did, because Valentina has nobody to fight right now. She's got nobody unless she fights Nunez. There is no clear cut number one contender at one twenty five, and you throw Molly as a challenger against Valentina in the UK, it would just be it'd be massive. It'd be a huge fight. I just feel like if you're going to give Molly that opportunity, you have to do it quickly. Because I just I don't think she's like a top five 25-er. But if she beats Aaron Blanchfield, her versus Valentina is a big-ass fight. Because I, like, I wouldn't throw in there with Jessica Andrade or anything like that. Because why would you do that? That's just super risky. So it's a big fight for both ladies. It's a win-win for the UFC. Even if Blanchfield loses, stunts her a little bit, but she's the youngest prospect in the division right now. Like legit, when you look at this fighter and say, this fighter could fight for a title down the line and looking at a lot of the prospects at 125, Blanchfield is circled on a lot of people's cards right now. If she loses, you know, go back to the drawing board and, and come back. You got plenty of time. McCann loses. 
her title hopes are got, probably gone forever. But we never looked at Molly McCann as a title threat anyways. You know what I mean? Like just a fun fighter, great interview, great personality. And you just keep throwing her on those UK cards and just let her be a star there. And that's fine. She can make a very good living doing that. She's got Barstool on her, you know, having her back. That's got to be pretty lucrative for her. So she'll be fine either way. But if we're, if we're looking for a Molly McCann title shot, she's got a real good chance to get one if she beats Aaron Blanchfield. Just the way this division is structured right now. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Go to Santiago. Santiago, are you there? Hello, hello. How are you? I'm big. Hello, good. How are big you? Fan, big fan of the show. So I'm from Ecuador, and you know Chito Vera is like our idol. He's uh, the best sportsman in here in Ecuador. So I want to hear your opinion opinion about uh, him as a fighter and. What do you think is the future future for him if he should fight for the title with Alio or the rematch with Sean? Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Thanks, man. Dude, Cheeto's the man. He's just super fun. He's on a great run. Everything's clicking for him. I like if if we're doing this in a meritocratic way. I don't know. Like, if Piotr Jan beat Sean, like, if he actually technically beat Sean O'Malley, I would give Piotr Jan the title. I'm not Piotr. I would give Cheeto the title shot no matter what. I would have given it to him no matter what. But obviously, Sean O'Malley came in and it pulled off the upset, and a lot of people weren't thrilled with the decision, but it is what it is. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. 
And by the way, big shout out to Aljamain Sterling for just, just getting it. Like he has fumbled the bag 100% since he beat TJ Dillashaw. He screwed the pooch from the beginning. And I don't know if like the damage has already been done, but I'll tell you what, guy's doing it right now. Guy's doing it right now. I thought his media day answer about Henry Cejudo was spot on. It's exactly what I've been saying for six months. No one is knocking Henry Cejudo's talent. No one is knocking Henry Cejudo's resume. No one is knocking any of that. The concern that he has, that I have, and that most others have, is that he's just coming for a quick bag and he's getting the hell out of there. And that's the concern. That's why the Cejudo fight doesn't make a ton of sense to me right now. If you book it, I'm going to watch it. It's fascinating. I want to see it. I do want to see these guys fight. But like Aljo said, and like I've been saying, go fight somebody else. Go fight somebody else and prove that you're serious. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. Just sign on to fight somebody. Sign on to fight somebody. And let's just say your opponent gets injured. You could still have a title shot. Like, I don't care. You're at least showing us that you care. And that you're going to be here for a little while. You're not just here for a fight or two and then you're going to bounce on them again. That's all. So if they do... The fight I've been clamoring for from Jump Street is just do Cheeto versus Cejudo. Like, even before Cheeto got the Cruz win, that was the fight. Go fight Cheeto Vera. I think it's a winnable fight for Henry Cejudo. But it's a fight Cheeto could come out there and just tough his way through and maybe get a, get a knockout or something. But at least that win gives him what he wants and it's a winnable fight. He's probably a sizable favorite against Cheeto Vera. But the other option is you just do, you could do O'Malley Cejudo too. That's fine. Like if they do O'Malley Cejudo, I'm okay with that. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do at 135. I have no idea how this is going to play out, but I'm totally like everything I've been saying for months since Cejudo went back into the testing pool I just need to see that you care, man. That's all. I just need to see that you care and that you actually want to do this. Because bringing you in right now, we already know what's going to happen. The book's been written already. This is just a sequel. He goes in there, wins the belt, holds the UFC up for more money, doesn't defend it, or goes for the Volkanovsky fight, and then he won't do anything until he gets it. Why put yourself in that kind of a position as a, from, from a business perspective? It makes no sense. When you don't need – like the division doesn't need him right now. He's not Connor. He's not, he's not one of those guys that's just like, oh, we got to get him back in there because he's going to sell a million. No. He's, he's a great fighter. He might be one of the 10 best fighters in UFC history. But he's not a star. And – but he's really good. And he was close to getting there too when he left. That was like, that's the whole weirdness of this whole thing. And I hate that we have to talk about this every show, but I'd love to see Vera get the title shot or, or I like O'Malley's idea. Listen, if Al's going to sit out till June, okay, we'll just do me and Cheeto for the interim title. That's fine. Or do Cheeto. I don't, I don't care. I don't want to see Cejudo fight Aljo next unless he fights somebody else first. Long and the short of it. And then he can fight whoever he wants. He can, just, he can skip and go to 145. I don't care. Fight somebody and then go fight 
Volkanovski. It doesn't matter. Just fight somebody. Viking, hello. What's going on? Now there are a lot of people in my house, so I just want to ask a quick question about uh, the fight is being investigated between Northern Becky and Miner. So what should be the punishment for them if they found guilty? And the other question is uh, the fight between Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler. What happened if one of them loses the fight and what happened uh, about their what happened with their title reign? Is that title reign is going to be end? Thank you, Mike. Thanks, man. Um so the gambling thing, I I don't know. I don't know what the penalty would be. Um it's probably going to be pretty harsh and pretty strict, especially if it is deemed insider trading, trading and they can actually prove it. Um, that's a big problem. Like that's, that's bad, bad. You can't do that. So I don't know what the penalty would be, but it's going to be pretty harsh. Uh, if they're a UFC fighter, they're probably gone. Um, but somebody knew something like that. Li- a line doesn't move like that so close to a fight unless somebody knows something. And again, I have no idea what it is, who it could be. But I mean, if even if you read the ESPN article, they said they talked to somebody who knew that Minner was compromised heading into the fight, knew he was injured. Like that's bad. That's why this line moved. Somebody knew and somebody told somebody and then they told other people and then everybody found out about it. And that line went bananas. So it ain't going to be good. I'll tell you that. They ain't getting a slap on the wrist. They're not getting a $50 fine. It's, it's going to be bad. It's going to be a pretty harsh penalty, would be my guess. For the Chandler Poirier fight, does a loss knock them out of the title conversation? I think for Poirier, yes. Chandler, close, but not out altogether. Because I, I get, again, the UFC loves Michael Chandler. They love him. And he puts on fun fights. But to me, like, if, if, if I'm the dude that's booking this division, the answer is yes. Because then it's like, all right, Poirier, we love you. You've done a lot for us. Go fight Rafael Fazeev. Like, enough is enough. Let's go fight these dudes. Let's go take on these hungry up-and-comers who deserve their opportunity. But I feel like if Poirier loses, he's out of the discussion unless something absolutely insane happens. And if Chandler loses, he should be out, but he probably won't be. All right, let's go to Ahead, and we'll keep this party rolling. Hello, Ahead. Yes, I know. Henry Cejudo is the greatest. I'm wrong. You're right. Go ahead. (laughs) Oh, my heck of a morning. It's like you just took the words out of my mouth. (laughs) But before I say anything about that, because I saw Al Jermaine's interview and it drove me nuts. I loved it. I know. That's the thing. But um, are you going to do a show on Saturday? Because I want to balance my points out. Are you not? Because I know you said you thought about it. 
No. Uh, we might. We might. I got the watch party. I'm getting – see, here's the thing. I'm getting into New York super early in the morning. Uh, so I'm going to have, like, many, many hours to figure out what I'm going to do. So I might meet up with some media piece. might meet up with Jose for a little bit. But I'm going to have some time. So do I want to, like, take a nap? Do I want to, you know, just relax? Or do I want to just jump on here and, and do a thing? So I might do all of those things. But it's just going to be like a pop-up if we do it. All right. Cool. Um so I'll put, I'll leave the main event to actually you know you know what, I'm going to talk about the main event. Here's the thing: I what really infuriates me is when they talk about Izzy and Pereira. They talk about this like it's the MMA version of Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. It's so annoying. It's like power versus precision. I'm like, no, no. Listen, yes, uh, Pereira knocked out Izzy, but Pereira is a two-division glory kickboxing champion. Forget the knockout of Izzy. And it, it just infuriates me further when people say, oh, Izzy's gotten better because he's in the UFC and Pereira wasn't. I'm like, okay, first of all, Izzy got better as a mixed martial artist, okay? Yes. But the thing is, Pereira was in glory fighting all these terrifying strikers. So in in some sense, Pereira is more has gotten better for this particular matchup because like is Izzy an ADCC world champion? No, he can't submit Gordon Ryan or Andre Galvao. This is how it's gonna go down. You know, is uh, Alex Pereira's grappling pathetic? No, it's not. That's not uh, and people I feel trying to insinuate that that's an insult to Alex and an insult to Glover as well, one of the best MMA grapplers of all time. So I feel like it's going to play on the feet. And Alex is like well prepared. He's fought and beat guys that beat Izzy, like a guy called Jason Wilness. He Alex knocked him out. So that's the the main event. And um, in terms of like the whole Alger thing, I just okay. One thing I'll say: all right, you can have your way, Mike. If if you want to go down that route, fine, fine. Aljo, Sean, fine. If Aljo wants to do that, wants the money, I love that. I love people being able to provide for their family, but. Aljo cannot say, these guys cannot say that they're the best in the world. That's that's all I feel. You want to go down that route? More than fine. But don't say that uh, you're the best guy in the world. You can be everybody because you can't. The fact is that there's an annoying five foot one little midget who calls himself Triple C that is irritating. But unfortunately, he can probably be all of you. And if you really wanted to be the best in the world, you do, and it's fine if you don't want to do it. Fine. But he, he, Henry can't fight someone else if Sean dropped his ball sack and decides he doesn't want to go to Perth because I'm pretty sure Henry's got contracts. But, you know, if, if Sean's scared, like, then if Sean says, oh, no, it has to be Cheeto, like, that, that, that makes no sense. You know, like, Mike, you can't say, like, oh, Henry needs to fight someone and he's ready to fight Sean and Sean and you don't condemn Sean for playing the silly little games because he has a much, much better chance to beat Cheeto. Much better. He's much sharper, much faster. Cheeto's just like a hard head. He's got skills, but he's got a much better chance. And Aljo as well, I'll say this. I defended Aljo when he got kneed in the head against Jan because that was the common sense thing to do. But look at his record. He barely won against Jan in the rematch. He shot for his life towards the end. The first fight, we know how it went. 
uh, TJ was a one-armed fighter. Apart from Corey Sanhagen, it was a bunch of weird, and, and um, the other Nibar, it was a bunch of weird point-fighting decisions. So I don't really see what Alger's, like, he can't cement his legacy. And lastly, James Krause, what a week. Firstly, he's a fight fixer, and now he's a home wrecker with Laura Stanko. Oof. Like, it's always the head coaches getting involved with the students. Drop the mic, Mike. Allegedly ahead. Allegedly. Okay? We don't know. We don't know. And that's and that brings me to the Henry Cejudo point. We hear Henry's side. Oh, I've got contracts. Do you? Is that true? Did Sean get offered that fight? Did he have a contract? Do these other guys have contracts? Because it doesn't seem like they do. This is what Henry does. He plays games. And guess what Sean has that Henry doesn't? He has leverage. Henry has none. Sean has some. So if Sean wants to be like, nah, I'm going to fight Cheeto, UFC's probably going to give him what he wants. Sean O'Malley is not afraid to challenge the UFC. He's been challenging the UFC his entire career. If he feels like he's not getting what he deserves, he just won't fight. Like, and he's not asking for something over the top and crazy. He's the number one contender now. He's the number one ranked guy in this division, according to the UFC and their quote-unquote rankings panel. He's the number one dude. He has some leverage here. And Sean pro- And let's be honest, Sean O'Malley versus Cheeto Vera 2? Hot take. It's a bigger fight than Sean O'Malley versus Henry Cejudo. It just is. There's more interest. You ask, you go and ask 100 MMA fans that question, which fight would you rather see? They're picking the rematch. They're just they're they're going with the story. So I think Sean's playing it pretty well too. Again, I don't know what's going to happen, but if I'm if I'm Henry, I'm calling the UFC and just saying, "Hey, who you got for me? I don't care who it is. Let's go. Let's just get the show on the road." But he hasn't done that. I don't know. And I get what you're saying about the main event too. It's a good point. But again, we have, we just have, this is why this fight's so interesting. We just have so many questions. So many questions. Zeke, hello. Zeke? All right, you have to try again. We got no time to waste here. We'll go to Gary. Gary? Can you hear me? Yep, I got you. So, well, first, heck of a morning, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. And secondly, uh, I'm a bit of a tapology slut myself. So late at night, I'll just kind of scroll, look through records and such. And the question that kind of came to me last night was, where in the world is Magomed Mustafaev? I see that he's had two fights canceled for the exact same date on November 22nd, I believe. So for me, I'm just kind of curious what's going on with him. On November twenty second, or was it was was he supposed to play at two eighty? He was supposed October to play two eighty, right? Second, that's my bad. Apologies. Um, I have no idea. I have no idea. Wish I had an answer for you. I honestly, I, I honestly have no clue. I'd love an answer to that question, though. Yeah, yeah. Hello.
I'm hearing nothing. Let's go to Abzwalia. Double A, you're next. Abzwalia, hello. Hey, what's up, man? How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good, good. So um, I just have two quick quick questions. Um, One is, uh, how do you see the Frankie Edgar fight playing out? And the second question has nothing to do with the the tomorrow's event. Um, this is just a what-if scenario. If Jan Belhovic and John Jones had fought, who do you reckon would have won that fight? And how would it have affected John Jones' legacy if he had lost, possibly? Thanks, man. That's all I have. <sighs> Probably picking John Jones in that one. You know, clearly the, the title defenses were falling off. I think he beat John. Um, uh, yeah, it's an interesting question. And now you got me really thinking about it. I, I do think John Jones would win that fight. Yeah, I'll go with John Jones. And I admittedly forgot your other question. I'm sorry. Maybe Double A can help me with that. It's been a, it's been a day, friends. Hello, Double A. Good. Uh, that's good. That's good. Um, I've got two questions. Um, one. Um, is it is it win or or get cut for Karolina Kovalkovich if 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 um regardless for the result for her um this week this weekend and Alex Pajeda. Um, a, a few of us on Twitter were speculating that he was actually just playing mind games with the whole Wayne thing, and I actually. I'm actually, I actually believe it, considering he weighed in under. Do you think that's a possibility? All right, everyone have a good day. Have a heck of a morning, Mike. Peace. I mean, I, I don't buy into that theory, because why would you? Like, what, what sense does that make? It's not like Izzy's sitting there waiting for him to weigh in, and, like, Izzy's stuck there watching him. And he's going to be like, well, Izzy waited early, so I'm going to make him sit for two hours. No. He's probably just like, I have a window... And I'm just going to milk the shit out of it. <laughs> like, I'm in no rush. If I want to, like, chill out and relax and just enjoy myself, then I'm just going to do that. Like, I know people freak out and stuff with all this. But, like, we just saw Juliana Payne did the same thing for the Amanda, second Amanda Nunes fight. Last one on the scale. She showed up at the last minute. Looked fine. She was smiling and laughing. Just hop, skipped, and jumped her ass up to the scale. Made the weight. It was good to go. You have a window for a reason. So if, if it's 9 to 11 Eastern time and you want to walk in at 1058 and weigh in, have at it. It's your prerogative. You can show up anytime you want within that two-hour window. So, no, I don't think it was – I don't think it was mind games. I really don't. Uh, the other question I remember was the Frankie Edgar, Chris Gutierrez question. <sighs> Man. Much like most of this card, I don't have a lot of confidence in any of my picks. There's a couple that I am. Uh, but my my hunch is Chris Gutierrez wins a split decision. And it'll just... In the end, the ones who have been like, why do we make this fight are going to be vindicated. That's how I feel. It's going to be like, 
It's going to be a, like a back and forth fight. I think Gutierrez wins a decision. It might be a splitty and people will be like all pissed off at Chris Gutierrez for just fighting instead of being mad at the judges. Because that's, that's the sport, people. That's the sport. Zeke, do we have you? Mike, I'm sorry. The connection's horrible. I'm somewhere where I shouldn't. Casinos are bad. First things first. Heck of a morning. Heck of a Friday. Secondly, any comments on the horrible weight cut it looks like both fighters in the main event had? Hope you have a heck of a watch party. I will be tuned in. I mean, Pereira's always going to have a tough cut. Adesanya did not... I will say this. He was, he was one of the first guys up there. Got it done. He made the weight. He didn't look as fresh and as jubilant as he usually does. But that could be a number of things. Maybe he's just tired. Like, this is... It's an early weigh-in on the East Coast. Maybe he's just tired. Didn't get a good night's sleep. I don't know. Could be a number of things. So, figured prayer would be hurting a little bit because he's just a giant human being. So, no, nah, I didn't. I'm, I'm not overly concerned about either of those guys. Let's go to Yaya. Yaya, hello. Yo, sorry, man. What's going on, Mike? How you doing? Oh, good. Good. How are you? Good, good. Question for you. So let's say that um, Dustin gets past Chandler. Um, do you think stylistically he would be a good matcher for Islam? Like we know that his, he has one of, you know, one of the best, if not the best boxing backgrounds. Do you, and if he worked on his wrestling, do you think at that point, you know, he would be a great matcher for Islam? You know, if, if the Who's this? Uh, Dustin. Dustin Poirier and Chandler. Okay. And then moving on to Islam, if if that happens, uh, that's all for me, Mike. Appreciate you, man. Have a good weekend. Um, let's be clear. I think Islam rolls both of those guys. I just don't think Poirier. I listen. I mean, I I can't respect us and Poirier enough. I just have immense amount of respect for this guy. The dude's got mileage on him. And I, and I mean this in like the most respectful way possible. The dude has just been in so many fights, so many big fights, so many fights where he took punishment. Guy is 33 years old in real life. He's about to be 34, but he's probably like 40 in fight years with, with the amount of just insane battles that this guy has had at a high level. I don't think it's disrespectful to, for me to say that – Skill-wise, he's still very good. I just don't... He's just not... He's just not prime Dustin Poirier. He just isn't. And we saw it a little... We saw it in the Charles Oliveira fight. The longer a fight goes, the more he fades. The more he fades. The mileage is catching up in that sense. And I look good on the scale today. He's a dangerous two-round fighter at this point in his career. But Islam will just kill you with he'll just suffocate you he'll just take all of your energy away from you and then put you away and i feel like that's what would happen with dustin like i feel like dustin could maybe land some leg kicks maybe land some shots but i think like i just think anytime islam wants to get a hold of him and bring him down he will and i don't think there'll be much to stop it chandler presents a little something more because he is a really good offensive wrestler. And I guess one of my big questions about Makachev is what happens if a really good top position wrestler puts him on his back? 
how's he going to deal with that? So maybe Chandler could, but who knows? Maybe, maybe Makachev is just not a human being and somehow stands back up without even bending his knees. He just slides his way back up like he's a piece of paper. Maybe that happens too. I feel like Chandler matches up better, but I feel like Makachev beats both of them convincingly. And again, this is my problem. I think the guys who are going to give Islam his best fights are like in the back half of the top 15 right now. And it's not going to change anytime soon the more we are booking the Poirier-Chandler fights, which again, not knocking. I can't wait to sit there and watch it. But we have guys who are going to be legit threats to Islam Makachev in the next two years. For It's going to take him like four years to get to that point, the way this division is shaping up. Like, I already said, 2024, we're going to see Islam Makachev, Armand Sarukian too. And that is going to be the best. Absolute best. Fazeev, all these guys. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Julio, hey, what's good up, morning. Man? How's it going? Good. Yeah. So, one comment i I find it interesting that people still say that that Israel Adesanya is good on the mic. I think he's pretty corny. Like, I, I don't really hear that too much of him being corny, like his punchlines and stuff. If dude got that got verbally beat by Sean Strickland, and then I feel like Alex Pereira, Pereira uh, in the last press conference, you know, hardly said anything, but still ended up coming a little more dominant in that aspect. Not that it matters, but but I, I don't I don't see Adesanya being that that good on the mic as as people uh, say. And the second my well question is, I I'm looking at this fight the way Valentina Shevchenko and and Joanna Jonjacek. Uh, how they both fought in kickboxing as well, and Valentina beat her. I think it was two times, two or three times, and and rolling over to MMA, it was pretty much a, a clean sweep. Do you think it's going to be the same, you know, in for this fight? Man, I, I, I God, I don't know. I, I mean, that's what makes this fight so interesting. I just don't know. My my gut. Is telling me Adesanya is going to win a decision here. But, I mean, prayers are so dangerous. And one of the big factors in this fight that a lot of people aren't talking about, and I know it was five years ago, and I know that these guys have done other things since, 
But Izzy's lost to this guy twice, and he got deaded by him. And you would think that after being knocked out by Alex Pereira and losing a second time, you would think in that moment, as he's transitioning to MMA over the years, he's not even thinking about Alex Pereira. He's not even thinking about him. All right. I mean, this guy got me. That's it. Moving on to this next thing I'm about to do. Izzy finds all the success. Undefeated fighter, 185 pounds. Almost a, went for a two-division, went to win a second belt. He's just dominating everybody he fights, whether you like the performances or not. And then here comes Alex Pereira. Three fights into his UFC career. The UFC built. They brought him in for this exact moment. And it's one thing to stare on a stage at this man's face. It's another thing when that cage door locks and you're staring across from this man ready to take your head off. How is that going to affect Israel Adesanya mentally? Knowing there's a guy that might just have your number. Now, I don't know if that's the case because, as I've said many times, I've watched both of those kickboxing fights. First one, super close fight. I scored it for Izzy. If you scored it the other way, I ain't going to be mad at you. Second fight, Izzy was winning until he got caught and got knocked out. So it's not like like the narrative, the casual narrative is that Alex Pereira just whooped Israel Adesanya's ass in two kickboxing matches. It's not true. First fight was so was super close. A lot of people thought Izzy won. And then the second fight, Izzy was looking real good until he got knocked out. And that could be what this fight looks like. I don't know. But again, I just have so many questions. Is Adesanya's big fight MMA experience going to be the difference maker? I don't, there's just so many factors heading into this fight. I'm not confident about anything I say when it comes to this fight. But that's what makes it interesting. But my gut is telling me that Adesanya will win a, like, win a decision somehow. But I've, I mean, I have no technical breakdown or analysis for you because it's just such an interesting fight. Sivaram, and then we'll go to Kevin. And if anybody else wants to hop on in, it's going to be kind of the last call. Sivaram, hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, I just want to talk about the... The Tony's studying in Harvard, man. <laughs> he looks very cool in that frameless glasses and so on like that. I'm very happy for him seeing like that. His face, his face is very bright and he's smiling uh, with all the fellow students. And uh, uh, can you say about anything about Tony's going to fight anything, uh, anyone in future? I don't think he will. he's going to fight. Uh, maybe one or two fights left in his contract. So what do you think of Tony and... Uh, uh, Tony Ferguson? Yeah, Tony Ferguson. Okay. And uh, one more... Thing. What else do you have? Uh, one more thing is... Uh, what do you think about uh, Carla Esparza versus uh, uh, Vijang? And who do you think gonna lift the championship on Saturday night? That's it, Mike. Awesome. Uh, let me go back to the other question first about Adesanya being good or bad on the mic. I think Adesanya is spectacular on the mic with a caveat. You could tell Adesanya plans certain lines, the frozen like Elsa thing. This one is the, it's going to be a horror movie. It's going to be bloody, all that. Like, I wish he would just leave that stuff on the cutting room floor, just put his pencil down and just go from the heart because he's spectacular. 
Like when he's just going off emotions and just going real time with the moment, he's fantastic. There's no stuttering. Guy can carry a conversation. I could walk up to Israel Adesanya right now and feel confident that I would get an hour of interesting stuff out of him. And it has nothing to do with me. It would be all him because he's, he's just very sharp. He's quick-witted. He's smart. He's intelligent. He's a student of the game. These are all things that are great. The taglines are awful. I will give you that. But I, I don't think he's bad. I think he's one of the best on the mic. It's just the taglines bring it down a little bit. That's for sure. Tony Ferguson, I already made my pick. I want to see him fight Joe Lozon. That's what I want to see. These are the fights I want to see for Tony Ferguson. Grant Dawson, I love you, buddy. Like, great win. I respect the call out. Like, I respect it. I get it. But I don't want to see it. I don't want to see you smush Tony Ferguson. I, do, I have no interest in that. If Tony is going to fight, I want legend fights. Give me Jim Miller. Give me Joe Lozon. Like, Jim's booked. I get that. But these are the, these are the types of fights I want to see. Ferguson Lozon is just going to be sick. Like, that's a fun fight. And if that's like, and that could be the final fight for Joe. It could be the final fight for Tony. Who knows? But give me that. That's what I'm looking forward to. I don't want to see Tony fight Fazeev or Jalen Turner or Grant Dawson or Martin Sarukian or any of those guys. Give me Joe Lozon. That's what I want for him. Esparza Whaley. Look, I'm going to say this again. What Carlos Esparza has done to get back to earning a title is incredible. It's incredible. After Joanny and Jacek knocked her out, I was like, there's no way she's coming back from this. And then as the division moved forward and we saw the, the, just the reign of terror Joanna was on for a while and then seeing what Rose did and Andrade and Jung and all that and seeing like the types of fights Carl was having, the losses to Tatiana Suarez, losing to Claudia, the splitty, all these things are happening. And I'm just like, there's no way she's getting back to a title shot. There's, it's not happening. And then she did it and won the belt. That was the fight great. No, but she won the friggin' title. She did it. And I respect everything this woman has done. She will be a UFC Hall of Famer, without a doubt. This matchup is a frigging nightmare for her. It's terrible. It's really, really bad. And I think Zhang is going to just run her over. And I don't mean this to be just a jerk or anything like that. Zhang is just... I don't think like Carla, if there's like, if we're going by attribute numbers, Carla might be the better offensive wrestler, but I don't know if that's true. Like, I honestly don't know if that's a hundred percent the case. And I feel confident that if Carla does get John down, especially early, John is just going to get back up and beat her up. I just feel like her athleticism is just such a major factor in this fight. That is just going to cause so many problems for Carla. I could be wrong, and it would be an incredible moment if Carla Spars. I will say that if Carla Spars goes in there and beats Zhang Wei Li, no matter how she does it, even if it's the most boring fight of the year, she's the fighter of the year. Beating Rose Nama Yunus to win the title and then beating Zhang Wei Li, massive dogs in both fights, she's the female fighter of the year, inarguably. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think Zhang's going to beat her. I would be stunned if Zhang lost his fight. And the beauty of this is that we are going to have a watch party on Saturday, tomorrow. We can watch it all unfold together. It's going to be me and GC in the studio. 
And Jed Mishu is going to be calling in for the Michael Chandler Dustin Poirier fight because he loves Chandler so much. And because he has made it public knowledge now that he is betting all of so he has like a betting bank account of of sorts and he's placing bets on this card. But whatever is left over after he places this card's bets, he's betting every nickel on Zhang Weili. Every nickel. He's going all in on it. So we're going to watch Jed either celebrate a cash windfall or sweat bullets that he might lose his whole bank account. His betting bank account, not like his life bank account. He's a responsible dude. But that's happening tomorrow. So join us on YouTube and watch it all unfold because I think it's going to be tremendous theater. Let's go to Kevin. What up, Kevin? You just got to unmute yourself. Kevin, are you there? Oh, I got you. I'm sorry. I was on mute. Oh, what's up, man? How are you? How are you? I'm good. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more on the uh, Carlos Barzani fight. I mean, I see you've seen how bad she got dominated by Ioana in her first title defense. And I feel like Whaley is a more physical, more dynamic terminator of a striker. And I think it's going to be unfortunate for Carla, but she's going to get absolutely dominated in my opinion yeah man it's just listen again this is no disrespect i have so much respect for carlos barza and i don't understand the hatred i don't get why she's getting the aljo heat the xbox heat right now but she's getting it she's getting booed at the press conference like i just i don't understand it like what did she do wrong i i don't get it having said that the blueprint is there, man. Like, it's just there. When she fights fighters that are just incredible athletes who are just stronger than her and possess the kind of life-altering power that these fighters possess and skill, she doesn't fare well. Joanna, Tatiana Suarez, like, those are the two that truly come to mind, and Zhang Weili might be better than both of them when it comes to athleticism. We talked about it on the way in show. If this fight was not John Whaley, if it was Joanna, if it was Joanna versus Carla, who's picking Carla to beat Joanna? I'm not. And again, not trying to be a jerk. I would pick Joanna in that fight. And we saw what John Whaley did to Joanna in the second meeting. So, yeah, I, I feel very strongly that this is just a, just a shitty matchup for her. But maybe we're wrong. I don't know. Uh, let's go to Holloway's evil twin. Wow. Sentinel, I see you. You're next. Hey, Mike. Uh, I was just wondering what your thoughts were on the uh, drama between James Krause and Megan Anderson and uh, what Jeff Molina had to say. Uh, apologies if you already answered this. I copped in a bit late. But I've been seeing this all over Twitter. I was just wondering if you had any thoughts or what your opinion was on everything. All right. Hello. Sorry. For some reason, like, the space just turned off. Uh, so if you were listening earlier, I'm sorry. Uh, the space just stopped for me. Like, it just annihilated itself. Uh, it wasn't an internet issue. The space just annihilated itself. It just disintegrated. It just disappeared off my phone. And I don't know why. Uh, so 
if I don't know what you guys heard from last answer, so I'll just go back and do it. Holloway's evil twin asked about the Kraus, Megan Anderson, Sanko thing. And uh, if you didn't hear, I, I mean, I, I just don't have anything really to say about it because I don't know anything. Sanko and, and, and Anderson aren't friends. They haven't been friends in a long time. So I don't, I don't know. We saw, I saw Jeff Molina's response. He said what he said. That's another, I guess, opinion on the matter. Here's what I'll say. And, and again, I know nothing about this. I don't know what, I don't know anything about it, but it tells you like, I obviously with what I do and sometimes I have to like confirm news and talk to different people in the sport this sport behind the scenes, and again, this has nothing to do with the Kraus thing in this what we're talking about. It's just not rosy all the time. It's just not. So has thing, have we seen things like this happen before? Probably. But I, again, I don't know about the certain situation, but it ain't all, as, trust me what I tell you. I love my job. I love what I do. And I love being a part of this space. I love the sport and I love all of you guys. And I love everybody I work with. I would be lying to you if there wasn't every once in a while, like maybe once every two years where I'm just like, man, I kind of miss being a fan where it's just like, I could just focus on sitting on my ass and watching the fights and just watching the fights and just responding to the fights not knowing anything else behind the scenes, like weird things that happen behind the scenes, because have I, I've had conversations with people that you would just people within the industry that you probably know, who just like, will call me invent. And I just hear things and I'm just like, I don't know if I want to be hearing this. Like I will never say a word, but you know what I mean? And like as fans, you don't, it's just, you get to sit there and Saturday, grab a six pack pizza, bring your boys over. Turn the fights on. There are certain times where I envy that. Most times, I'm, I, I mean, again, I love what I do, 100%. Uh, but when things like this happen and, you know, some of the other things I've heard in the past, and again, these are all he said, she, she said things. You're just like, oh, I don't need this. I don't need to hear about this drama. Let's just focus on the fights. So long story short, I have no comment about it because I don't know shit. Uh, let's go to Sentinels. Yep, I got you. What's up? I've got two quick questions, all right? Um, the first one being, these, these are more general questions. The first one being, how do you feel about the, uh, the uh, Silva versus Jake Paul fight? You think that was fair and whatnot? And uh, also, how do you feel about the upcoming uh, Jake Paul versus Andrew Tate fight? Thanks, Mike. Uh, the second question is, I'll believe when I see it. That would be just, I mean, that would just be really one of the dumbest things Jake Paul ever did. Um, I would rather see Tommy Fury, if we're being honest. I have no interest in that fight at all. And uh, I would probably ask for the night off, if we're being honest. Paul Silva, yeah. It was a fair fight, and Jake Paul beat him. Like, that's it. I... I still don't get this whole fight fixing thing and all that. Like, why would you do that? Like, dude, I don't think people actually understand 
the risk involved with trying to fix a fight, like you are federally fucked if you fix a fight and you get caught. Like you're done. Like you're done done. It's just not worth it. Like you try and here's here's another thing. If you watched WWE Crown Jewel or whatever it was, if you saw Jake Paul throw pro wrestling punches, you will right then and there, any doubt that you had whether this fight was legit or not, or if there was a fix on, when you saw him throwing those worked ass punches that were just the worst I've ever seen in the world of professional wrestling, that should have been like, all right, there's no way this guy could fix a fight because that was awful. <laughs> I mean, like, just no way. There's just no way. Jake Paul boxed Anderson Silva for eight rounds, and he won. I mean, that's it. He won. I know it sucks. The train keeps on moving. And it was a fun fight. Like, anyone who watched it, like, if you sat there and watched that whole fight, were you bored? I wasn't. I, it was compelling television. It was the most fun Jake Paul fight. That's for damn sure. It's way more fun than the Woodley fights. Way more fun than the Askren fight. The Nate Robinson fight, I still don't understand what we were doing there. But it was fun. And Jake won. Like, give the guy some credit. I know Anderson's 47, but we all thought Anderson was going to roll him, right? We all thought he was going to roll Jake Paul. I said, I said it was going to be a draw. Because eight rounds, it just smelled like draw. That was just to be a draw scenario. But Jake won. He knocked him down in the eighth round. I mean, he won. Dude won the fight. Like, what else could you say? He went out there and he won. All right, Beal, take us home because I got to get out of here. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Good. Uh, so uh, I just want to say about the Jake Paul Anderson Silva thing. I, if you watch, Anderson Silva is definitely trying to hurt Jake Paul. I don't, and yeah, I, to say it was fixed is just ridiculous. But uh, my question is, I. I was kind of more excited to see Dustin Poirier Poirier, uh, potentially move up to welterweight. And uh, now that they just announced that McGregor and Oliveira is going to be at welterweight, do you think... Oh, no, 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 no. You did not. No? Was that a fake area? You did not fall for this. Was that a fake area? You did not fall for the fake area tweet, did did you? Oh, no. The Twitter's on the rails now. Elon's shutting down. I have to pull this up because I I saw it (laughs) and I knew immediately that there. I got to find the tweet. Where the hell is it? Where the hell is it? it, I had an inkling. I saw it. I knew it. Oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. Okay. So here's the other thing. Okay. See, here's a lesson. Okay. We're all going to learn this. Do you have anything else, Beal? And then I'm going to give you all a lesson here. Well, what do you think about uh, Poye and uh, McGregor potentially? fighting at 170 for their for their uh their next fight if that ever happened uh thanks mike (laughs) okay um fine like that's okay like if you did connor and chandler at 170 that's fine like there's lots we could do with connor at 170 we could just do a 55 fight at 170 oh elon See, this is, this is what has happened, okay? MMA fans, now you have more work to do because with this anyone can get a blue check mark thing, I could literally create 25 Helwani accounts right now and get blue check marks on all of them 
and just put out bullshit. Because look at it. At Ariel H-E, the number one Wani. Ariel, he won Wani. That's what it says. Put out this tweet. Okay, so now because of the option to just get blue check marks willy-nilly, which is why we did the blue check mark thing to begin with, to make sure none of this shit happened, now you have more work to do. So there are certain times of the year where you have to mind your P's and Q's when it comes to this stuff. Um, and now we're in a world where it's, it's every day. This, every day is like April Fool's in the MMA world. So just be cognizant. Look for everything. Make sure you read the whole ad. Make sure you read the whole thing. Because otherwise, you're going to come on the show and you're going to ask me about Connor fighting Charles Oliveira at 170. And it's not your fault. We're all learning together. And this thing is just going bananas. It's so wild. And you know why? It's because the blue check mark. It's because that check mark is there. And people are buying it. This thing is, oh my, it's got like 2,200 retweets, 12,000 likes. This is just hilarious. I don't know what to say. I don't know what else to say about it. Wow. So yes, that's not happening. So don't. I mean, we just, someone sourced, someone actually sourced Ariel for the Oliveira Fazee fight. And Charles Oliveira, like the real Charles Oliveira, came out and said, nah, dude, I'm taking time off. And then, uh, what, three days later, he's going to fight Connor at 170? Come on. And just another lesson, my best friend is here. If it ain't on MMAfighting.com, it ain't real. Okay? Because we're going to vet it all. We'll vet it all and make sure it's true if we see things like that. But that's friggin' funny. Okay. Well, you guys are the best. I appreciate all of you. All of you ask questions. Uh, but I got to go. I have to go. Uh, got to go get the pooch. My kid is home sick, so that's fun. Uh, my wife is in Boston on uh, traveling for work. So I, I got a lot going on right now. And then, of course, we got 281 tomorrow. We have Dana White's Power Slap Fight League's press conference going down at 2 o'clock or 2.30 or something like that, right before the ceremonial weigh-ins. We'll have all your ceremonial weigh-ins stuff. And then after ceremonial weigh-ins, AK and I are going to do ourselves a little live preview show. We're going to do a nice live preview show to get you ready for 281. And then tomorrow's just going to be an insane day. My ass is up at 3 a.m., hopping in the shower, shaving the head, off to the airport, and then off to New York City for the 281 watch party. Myself, GC, special guests along the way, 9.45 p.m. Eastern. We're going to go live just before the main card starts, and we're just going to have a damn good time. So if you buy, buy the pay-per-view and just want a different view, you want to watch it with us, get reactions, cool. Listen, I get it. Times are tough. If you don't want to drop 80 bucks on UFC 281, just watch with us. We got you. We got you covered. We will tell you. We're not going to – I ain't going to be John Anik. We're not going to sit there and be like, oh, jab, jab, cross, kick to the knee. But if big things happen, we're going to tell you about it. We're going to react to them. So that's going to be a lot of fun. People's pre-fight show, post-fight coverage, all that going down tomorrow. It's going to be a busy couple of days. So get some rest, everybody. 
Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you later on. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.